What is going on, fellow chatters? Today on the show, I have editor and publisher of the new family site and podcast, Brandly Whiteley. But first, the coffee of the day is my go-to every morning, Maxwell House. Nothing better than having the smell of coffee brewing throughout the house. And now, my chat with Brandy. Well, thanks for sitting down with me, Brandy. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Perfect. Now, you just reached a pretty big accomplishment with your new family podcast with the release of your 200th episode just this past week. Yes, thank you. It was a good feeling to, to get that one out, and it's hard to believe that it has been 200. So, yeah, it goes, I guess, I'm flies when you're having fun, they say. It's a cliche, but I really do enjoy doing it. Well, how much longer are you going to go? Are you just going to go until you just can't get any more people to talk to you? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't really have an end date in mind. I guess I'll keep doing it as long as I'm finding it um, gratifying and finding the conversations relevant. Now, with your podcast and the website, uh, your goal is to find 1,000 modern families. How's that journey been? Well, it's been it's been great. So I did I launched the site uh, four years ago, just wanting to have a site that reflected the many shapes that families take and also kind of the issues that that we face raising kids today or shaping our families whatever way we want to whether that includes kids or not and um, I launched with a a project called the Thousand Families Project and it's really been amazing to see just how many many shades of gray there are in, in ways that we define families there's of course no one right way to do so, and collecting these stories has, has really been uh, a fascinating process. What have been some interesting things that you've found along the way of talking to various people? Hmm. Well, gosh, there's so many things, but I think that at the heart of it, uh, there are some similarities in every family. We, we all want to uh, find a sense of place and a, a sense of home and and, and uh, belonging in, in family no matter how our that family came to be and I think that we are in a period of time where we're waking up there's a, a kind of a period of awakening about different family forms I think uh, in here in Canada we've had marriage equality uh, for same-sex relationships for something around something around 12 or so years now that's becoming quite normalized. I think it has, at least. Of course, there's still some distance to go. But it's interesting to see um, people learning more now, just kind of beginning to learn more about trans rights and uh, the issues in, the, in fa- family when you're needing to support somebody through transition. So I think that is coming up. But I also think that uh, people really connect when they hear just about people having a chosen family member for instance, people really, uh, there was a lot of people really found a story resonated with them where we had about a, a man, uh, it was written by a man who lived with both his wife, his young child, and their best friend from camp who happened to use a wheelchair. And they're able to offer the uh, accessible home that, that he needs. And they have an honorary uncle to their child in that person. And uh, just today, in fact, we shared the story on the podcast of someone whose 
you know, meeting the challenges of uh, rising housing costs, which are a very significant factor in, in how we're living today, uh, by making a home and family with not only his wife and their young child, but the two best friends that they've all bought a house together. So I think we're going to see more and more of shifting definitions, expanding definitions of what family looks like, and it's really been a pleasure to to explore those topics. Well, I think it's just more of, of really of as long as you are happy and safe and the kids are safe, I think it's really just however you want to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think people have found it gratifying to perhaps see some families that might resemble theirs in a little way that maybe haven't had those represented as much. I think it's been gratifying for them to see that, to see acceptance of, of different kinds of families, because unfortunately, and this is something I was very aware of, kind of coming out of the mainstream parenting magazine, mainstream parenting media, to kind of talk to people as though there's kind of a default with their mom and dad in a married heterosexual relationship and the two kids and and if your family doesn't quite look like that, then you can feel a little bit alienated or a little bit maybe less than or othered. And I think everyone just wants to see that their their way of having a family is, is quite okay. And it's it's not really even that much of a of a new idea. We have it in our in our minds that the nuclear family um, is kind of the base sort of family and everything else is some kind of a diversion from from that from that model but in fact the nuclear family as we know it's just them or the mom dad and, and kids living in a in a single house home environment single family environment um it's actually a very new idea that kind of reaches back to only the middle of the last century prior to that it was more common for households to have at least another generation in, in the mix uh, of a grandparent and I always like to remind us that we really kind of are pack animals. We really are meant to be in tribes. And when people are kind of, it's, it's that's acknowledged that they're allowed to kind of choose whoever they'd like to be in the tribe of their family. I think that that's an important step for us. And I know what I take away from, from your podcast and your site is that while you might not have the perfect family, you a family is a family as long as, People will help out with each other. Um, I know, like, you know, my kids, they don't have the perfect family, the mom, dad, two kids, and, and, and pets. But, you know what, they're happy. They enjoy it. They're in two separate homes, but, you know, they know where their homes are. Absolutely. And what I try to emphasize to my own kids, we do have an, uh, a less conventional, quote-unquote, family ourselves in that um, – we are two home family also, so I think that's becoming more and more common, uh, it is that they've got two parents that love them. In fact, they have three parents that love them because they've got um, they've got their stepmother also. And that's a lot more than, than many people have. And I kind of question, even using the language like maybe our family's not perfect, I'm not sure any family is. And just because you have a, uh, what we would call a traditional family structure of, of a ma- married set of parents living under the same household, I don't know if that makes you perfect. There's plenty of dysfunction in environments like that also. Oh, agree. So, I mean, perfect as in perfect view, like not necessarily perfect mm-hmm. as in 
actually literally perfect. Yes, we're air quoting yeah. that. Yeah, yes, definitely air quoting the perfect family. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. I think I, I hope that we're we're becoming more accepting too of the of the family who evolves because we really do have to be gentle on ourselves if a, if a marriage doesn't last forever. I, I'm often reminding people that I think the word still definitely part of been around something like 4,000 years when we didn't live very long. We only lived to be about 40. So, and back then marriage was a strategic and economic union. And today we expect a lot more than that. We expect friendship, we expect romantic love, we expect a co-parenting partnership. And it's kind of a miracle when that's where we're evolved as people and with, with our desire for kind of to live a life that's actualized, that's authentic. When you keep wanting the same thing with another person for decade upon decade upon decade and you, and you don't diverge um, from that person that you were maybe when you first, um, when you first married in your, your 20s or early 30s, for instance. So I think we're being kinder to each other about that. I think the fact that our society lives in kind of a no-fault divorce era, I think we're seeing people moving away from the idea that, for instance, a divorce means a big battle between former spouses, um, although unfortunately there still are too many of those. I think we're seeing more and more uh, people who live in amicable co-parenting situations, and I think we're starting to educate the general public about the fact that we're there having happy family lives even after a marriage ends. I think it's more uh, it's also refocusing the vision of, you know what, something happened and a marriage broke apart, but it's not the whole marriage wasn't a big mistake. It really is just, you know, there is a small bump in the road, and it's more of let's look to the future and see what we can do to better ourselves. Yeah, I'm with you 100% there. It's an evolution of a family. I think that's one of the things people struggle with when they are coping with the grief around the end of a relationship because no matter how amicable you are, there's still emotional work to do around your recovery from that. And part of that is that narrative, like, oh, it didn't work out. Those are very difficult words to get your head around when you've spent a decade or more with somebody, more or less, um, but you've, you've spent years together, perhaps you had a family together, and then to start filing under, it didn't work out. Well, that's very hard. There's a lot of failure language around that. Instead of things changed, you know, things changed, the family has evolved, and I think that's kinder language to, to use around ourselves. You know what? We had a good run. <laughs> we had many positive experiences together, and that is a nice way to be able to look at uh, a former romantic partnership. Now, if people want to see what a, a family that works together, how it operates, listen to your 200th podcast episode and see how actually busy you are with the family and then where people help out when there there is help that's needed. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I, in putting that episode together, I really did just kind of try to show what, an average week is like for us and I think people will, will recognize some aspects of their own families there and you heard my uh, kids stepmom and I working together to handle a kid being homesick for a day and there's of course lots of things like that that happen every week in our in our extended to home family and uh, yeah I hope people will enjoy listening to it and I think it's best that you know what 
whatever issues there are with the adults, if if you don't look at the kids and be like, what can we do to support them and to help them, then it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's absolutely important. If you want to have a co-parenting situation that works well for the kids, I often advise people that they need almost a two-track process for their own recovery from whatever, you know, the disappointment, the heartbreak of it not working out. And that's what you need, this the, this track that you work on with your your former partner where you just you're able to make decisions together that are 100% about the children and then you have um, another branch of what's going on in your life and that is you're, you're going to therapy or talking to a mature wise friend through it or taking yoga or using mindfulness or getting some exercise whatever helps you you're doing these wellness things to work through your own difficulties and reading some journaling and you keep that separate from what's going on with needing to make decisions around the children because nobody wins. It's certainly the children who lose. If you if you put them in the middle, if you um, you know try to pit pit your children against the former spouse, trying to present that one person's the victim, it just it doesn't serve the, the children well. In fact, it's very clearly um, a negative influence if if you need to if you do if you engage in that sort of thing. So I think people need to be understanding of themselves that they're going to maybe they're going to need some help in the recovery and and seek that out by with a you know like I said with some support that you can work through that but just kind of keep it in in a different wheelhouse altogether than the decisions you make around the children now with your personal journey what uh what kind of sort of things that you've learned through that uh, that path from where you were to where you are now that you could offer, you know, people going through something similar to that situation. Right. Well, I just, first of all, want to just say the words that just, just to give the encouraging words that it is going to be okay. You can find yourself living a life that you just don't recognize where everything seems like it's turned upside down, but you can come back from that. And, uh, if, if you can just, it's hard to believe in the moment, but you will establish a new normal and you'll have your, your universe is actually getting bigger, not smaller. It's very easy to think that, okay, my marriage ended. So therefore I'm getting off the happiness trap. I know I struggle with those types of feelings. Okay. Now my life is going to be a struggle. Um, cause I'm, I'm going to have to do things alone and I won't have a spouse to do them with. And, uh, I, you know, I was just very focused on, on loss at that time. But there's actually quite a number of enriching experiences that have become a part of my life uh, since then. You make different connections. You, It's hard to imagine when you're hurting, but you'll very likely find love again. And with a person that suits you better for this next stage of your life, and it's quite possible to then a step further also also welcome new people who may at one point seem like a threat to your happy family, the family you once had, maybe your partner that you've only recently um, separated from seems to have found love again much faster than you, and it's hard to deal with the idea of this other person being in their lives. Well, today is a time when in my life, like if I've had to work late to go do a, something special for, for work, well, my kid's stepmom took 
our younger Alistair out to a movie on Friday, that should be a relief to me that he had something fun to do. And now we joke that, gosh, what would we do if we weren't a free parent family? So if you can get there, you can actually have a life that can be a little bit more like what it's supposed to be, where we're raising a child with more hands, with more adults who love them, the more resources available to them. So if you can get there, it can actually be a really beautiful thing. If you can accept that that's where you, that this is the situation, and now your choice is to make the best of it. And if you make the best of it, life could end up surprising you with how um, uh, happy and satisfying it can be. Now, part of having guests on, um, I have a little segment called Fast Five. It's five questions. You think of the first thing that pops in your into your head and just tell me what it is. Now, the first okay, question. <laughs> okay, I hope I've got all the synapses firing. Okay. Now, the first question is, best thing about living beside your ex? Well, unquestionably, just the easy access of our kids from when they've forgotten the thing. Uh, real estate changed, and they now live around the corner from us, that house that got sold. We had a seven- or eight-year run with that. It was just incredible. The amount of touch points that we could have um, to see each other easily. And, yeah, can't overstate how much easier it was just to be able to anything that was forgotten, a math homework book, a, a backpack, a favorite um, baseball jersey. That was great. Now, it can't be all rosy, so what was the worst thing about living beside your ex? Well, I did have to uh, have the up close and personal with their early marriage marriage uh, when he, he did remarry. Now, I should say neither of us were really in each other's faces with a new relationship in the early years, but I did have to adjust to that, and of course there's some pain, you know. Uh, there would be times when we'd pack up the car and I'd be waving goodbye while they were off to go to the U.S. Thanksgiving because uh, uh, Amy is American. And, of course, they, they look like the family, right? Nobody would think anything other than that these two kids belong to those two. And there was moments with that. But I did manage to um, kind of put a smile on my face to wave them off because they felt it was positive and, like, they weren't kind of in a conflict of loyalties. But, yeah, that was not easy. So, poutine or pizza? Pizza, no question. Favorite beer or alcoholic drink? Other alcoholic drink. I just can't get into beer. <laughs> okay. Favorite place to pick up a shot of Java? Hmm. Well, um, I'm more of a tea drinker, but my favorite place to get tea is Saka Cafe, uh, the corner of Bloor and Beresford in Bloor West Village, where I live. Interesting. Now, where can we find you on the internets? At thenewfamily.com. You'll find the Thousand Families Project there, um, as well as the podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast by uh, searching up on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts at the, the New Family. And uh, that's where to, to find me on the interweb. Okay, well, thank you very much for dropping in and having a little chat with me. It was great uh, to hear what journey you've been on especially with your podcast and the website well thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it you're welcome have a good day you too. Bye. i'd like to thank brandy wakely for chatting with me and thanks for tuning in and you can contact me on twitter at jason perry that's at jason p-e-r-r-i-e-r -R -E and use the hashtag chance to chat with if there is someone who you want me to chat with until we chat again i'm out
We'd like to thank Brainly Wake. Bleh.